Welcome back to A Dragon Tamer's Fable. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes, please do. This is a full-length novel, and you're going to get lost if you don't start with a prologue. In Chapter 36, Prince Zayraid of Rhydon was born, and Seb initiated a new holiday. In this episode, Chapter 37, Part 1, we pick up right where we left off, with a horrified scream. Alright, let's dive in. Sebastian grabbed Fauna instinctively and pulled her away from the scream. They turned and saw the crowd scatter from a man with a sword stabbed through his side. The sword was hauled back through his body, and the man slumped to the ground. Alice flicked her wrist, sending droplets of blood from her sword onto the cobblestones. Vivin was ordering the guards to push back the civilians, but the majority were already running away. Seb walked over to the man who was clutching his side in agony. A silver dagger was on the ground in front of him. Sebastian said to Vivin, So this is why you don't like us wandering off, hmm? This is exactly why, Vivin said gravely. Seb. He nodded past the young man. Seb turned and saw Fauna looking deathly pale. He was about to run to her when Nocte landed next to them in the plaza and snarled at the man on the ground. The remaining citizens fled the devolving scene, and the royal guards gave Nocte a wide berth. Settle down! Seb hurried between the assassin and Nocte. The dragon's eyes were nearing slits. He was struggling to keep out of his primal state. Nocte, he was going to kill you. Let me pass. No, we need to keep him alive for questioning. Alice would have killed him if she wanted to. We need to find out why... Seb glanced back to Fauna, who looked almost faint. Vivin and Alice were trying to comfort her, and Vivin lent her his arm. Seb fixed his gaze on his dragon. We need to get Fauna back to the palace. Look at her knock. The dragon tore his gaze from the man huddled on the ground to the young woman. His breathing calmed, and he lashed his tail. She's never seen anything like that. We need to get her home. Nocte locked his emerald eyes with his tamer and inclined his head. Seb ran over, trusting Nocte to follow. He stooped down to meet Fauna's gaze, which she focused on the ground. Come on, let's get you home. He guided her to Nocte and lifted her up onto the dragon's back. The great tamer turned to his head guards. Thank you, Alice. The tamer inclined her head. Don't mention it. I'm going to stay with him. She gestured to the assassin. And make sure he gets the attention he deserves. Seb shivered to think what that attention might be. And I'm going with you, Vivin informed Sebastian. Seb held Fauna tight on the way back to Magnitectus. The young woman was silent. Seb didn't badger her, but he did want to know if she was all right. The reaction of their friends at the palace didn't help. The news had reached the palace even before they arrived. Maria was distraught, and Seb had to give Matthias a pleading look to have him help calm her. Arthur was near her as well, though he stood aside, looking on grimly. Fauna was silent and emotionless during Maria's fretting. Sebastian led Fauna away and asked if she would like to be carried up the grand staircase to the bedrooms on the second floor. A mumbled, no, escaped her lips, but Seb gave his arm for support anyway. Princess Felicita and Kyle were conversing with a guard just outside their room when they saw the young couple approach. The elves gave each other a look. Fauna Bine did not seem well. Her head was usually held high, now dipped, and her complexion paled. We just heard the news. How are you both? The elvish princess asked tentatively. Fauna continued on to her room without a word, and Seb watched her, rubbing the back of his neck. He wasn't certain of what he should say to the elves. Felicita broke the silence after a moment. She is in shock. She will come around, Sebastian. Seb gave her an appreciative nod. I guess I'm just used to this kind of thing. A cry from Zayraid pulled the parents away 
albeit reluctantly. In the time they were talking, Vivian had asked a servant to bring him a chair. He set it across the hall from Fauna's room and unfastened his sword from his belt. He leaned it against the wall as Seb walked over. What are you doing? I'll be right here until dawn. She'll sleep better knowing someone is here. Trust me. Seb stared at the bedroom door despondently. Vivian stood silently. What was going through the young man's mind? An assassination attempt before they were even coronated. I didn't even flinch or think twice when I saw him on the ground and the blood everywhere. That's not normal, is it? The young man asked rhetorically. Vivian was caught off guard and hesitated in his response. Seb gave him a small smile. Don't answer that. I'm going to stay with her tonight. I don't want her to be alone. All right. I'll be here until morning. Thank you. It's not my first all-nighter, Vivian assured him when Seb looked a bit uncertain. The young man gave him a nod and slipped into the bedroom. next morning, Vivin stood and stretched as Seb once again appeared. It didn't look like the future regent slept much. His hair was disheveled, as were yesterday's clothes. Good morning. How is she? Vivin asked, tying off his sword to his belt. She's asleep now, Seb mumbled. I wanted to see how you were. I'm fine. I'm going to go out with Nocte for a bit. He's still upset that I didn't let him eat that guy. Vivin stifled a yawn. Dragons are interesting characters. I'm going to rest for a few hours, then I'll be investigating last night's incident. So don't get yourself into trouble, and I'll find you this afternoon. Seb nodded, rubbing the exhaustion from his eyes. Maybe he'd be able to squeeze in a nap before then. Of course, there was no rest for the young man. He was rifled with questions from concerned palace residents. Any council members that spoke to him praised him for the success of the Day of the Dragon before the incident. Ryan found him and gave him all the sympathy and attention of a close friend. He only wished he could have been there to handle the assassin himself. Sebastian stole away to his study to attempt a nap. He skimmed through political papers in hopes that they would lull him to sleep. But then came a knock on the door. He mumbled for the person to enter and set aside the papers. It was Arthur. What can I do for you? Seb asked, curious about his presence. The silver-haired mercenary kept his hands held behind his back and stood with perfect posture. He appeared intimidating to some. In lieu of last night's events, I would like to make a request. Sebastian sat back in his chair, intrigued go on. I'd like to become Maria's personal guard. The young man stared at him blankly. Why? Arthur struggled to hide a look of impatience. Simply put, your mother is an easy target. Seb narrowed his eyes, and Art explained further. You may not like it, and you may not have thought of it, but it's true. She has no combat experience, and she doesn't carry a weapon. Art's voice softened. Anyone could harm her, and it would devastate you, which in turn would make you an easier target. Sebastian thought carefully about what the mercenary said. He had guards assigned to her whenever she left Magni Tectus, which wasn't particularly often. She was more than happy to stay within the palace grounds, where it was familiar and safe. Sebastian cast his gaze to Art, who was standing silently. There was no trace of insincerity on his face. Why? Seb questioned again, finally. I just explained no, the Great Tamer said firmly. I want to know why, Art. The older man took a moment to respond. He chose his words carefully. It could very easily have been your mother last night, had she stayed out. If you assign me to her, 
I can protect her like Alice and Vivian do with you two. I could hire anyone to be her personal guard. Why you? Seb pressed again, trying to suss him out. Arthur kept his composure. Why hire anyone when you could hire one of the best in the country? I have recommendations from some of the finest families in Rydon. Seb hit a smile. He was partly toying with Art, but he agreed it was a proactive decision to protect his mother. You'll have to cut your hair, like Vivin did. That's fine. The man didn't flinch at the thought of losing his long, silver hair. You can make far more money as a private mercenary. In fact, I don't really have a budget for another personal guard. That was true. Seb and Fauna had been cutting back on non-essentials in an attempt to fund other branches and projects. I'm aware. Pay me whatever a regular guard makes. Seb struggled to hide his look of disbelief. That would be an enormous blow to Arthur's income. Any more questions? You aren't going to scare me away, Alor. Art's sharp brown eyes glinted with his typical impishness. Seb ran a hand through his fine brown hair. I'll ask my mother her thoughts. If she agrees, then I'll write up a contract. Wonderful. Good doing business with you. Art flashed him a smirk and went to the study door. Seb shook his head. Whatever Arthur's ulterior motives may have been, Maria would be undoubtedly safe in his care. He was a first-rate mercenary and respectable tamer. Sebastian barely had five minutes before there was another knock at his door, and Vivin slipped in. How are you? Have you rested any? The guard asked immediately. He looked a bit flushed. I'm well, and no I haven't. Too busy. The young man pinched his eyes together to rid them of sleep. I've been busy as well. You've spoken with the assassin. Vivin shook his head. I didn't need to. The threat of torture was enough. Cheap sellsword. He grumbled. And his employer has been taken into custody. That quickly? Seb said in surprise. Vivin looked at him gravely. This is an incredibly serious situation. An attack on the future regent isn't something to be taken lightly. Seb looked away, feeling slightly foolish. It was one of the council members that wasn't re-elected after your reforms. He's been consistently outspoken about your decisions, and... Vivin trailed off, noticing Seb was looking disquieted. You're doing wonderful things for Rydon, Seb. Truly. But there are some people who are set in their ways and aren't going to agree with you. Enough to assassinate me? Seb mumbled. He took it to the extreme. He's meeting his end for it. Seb's head shot up, his honey-brown eyes flashing with shock. Treason. Vivin spoke the word quietly, as if it were a faux pas. You will be the regent, the acting king, next week. Treason is met with execution in this country. Why did it feel different? Seb had slain marauders by his own hand, they were men, too. Seb refused to harm female marauders more than necessary. It's your choice regarding the method. Hanging, decapitation, though some tamer rulers have had their dragons do the honor. Vivin attempted to read Seb's expression. The young man kept a hand to his mouth and stared at the bookcases along the wall by the fireplace of the cozy study. He looked exhausted, but otherwise... Vivin couldn't determine his thoughts. Seb. Hmm? Oh, um... I'll... I'll ask Nocte if he would like to. Right. Traditionally, execution for treason is made public to set an example, but it can be made private if you wish. Alice slipped into the room without a knock, and both men glanced at her. Seb directed to Vivin. I want the council there. And his own dragon. Vivin nodded respectfully, and they turned their attention to Alice, who looked pale. She hadn't slept either. She had been with the hired assassin that night, then led the siege 
to imprison the former council member who had ordered the attack on Seven Fauna. She held an envelope in her small, rough hands. What's that? Vivian asked, motioning to it. It's a letter. For the three of us. She replied quietly. Seb and Vivian glanced at each other. Who from? Vivian held out his hand for her to pass it, but she made no move to relinquish it. Vivian retracted his hand in confusion. Allie, what's going on? Seb's stomach turned as Alice replied, It's from Zan's address. I haven't read it since it's for the three of us. Would you like me to? Vivian wondered, since Alice seemed upset. Alice glanced at him, then shook her head. She tapped the envelope on her thigh and ripped it open from one end. Seb could see that the writing was only on one side of the parchment, a short letter. Vivin stood with his fists clenched anxiously, and Seb watched Alice carefully. She took a breath and began to read. Miss Wrightsmith, Mr. Vivin, and Mr. Allor. It is with deep regret that I inform you of our son's passing. Alice's voice wavered, and Seb leapt to his feet in disbelief. Vivin touched Alice's arm, and she continued, though she struggled. Earlier this month, he and his dragon committed suicide by freefall, and have rejoined our son Griff. Alice's voice broke, and she buried her face in Vivin's chest, unable to continue. Sebastian sank back down into his chair, feeling sick. Nocte's voice entered his mind in alarm at his tamer's sudden change in disposition. It was hard enough on the Oren, losing Griff, but losing Zan, too. It was crushing. Seb stared at his bureau, and Vivin held his girlfriend tight. Alice was fighting desperately not to cry in front of them, but her heart hurt. Ember was nearly frantic with worry. Alice was usually so upbeat. To feel her tamer's emotions plummet into depression was more than alarming. That was it, then. Zan was gone. All of them felt they could have tried harder to bring him back from the dark place he was in, but they knew. Zan would never be whole again until he rejoined his twin. Seb stood and walked over to his mentors. He took the letter from Alice's hand, and she used the opportunity to hug Vivin tighter. Seb finished reading the letter out loud. The brothers were buried side by side in the family plot at their farm. His dragon was burned on a pyre, and some of his ashes were with Zan. Seb sat back down at his bureau, and Alice recovered enough to release Vivin. None of them knew what to say, or wanted to speak. Fauna entered the room at that moment and froze when she saw their somber faces. What's wrong? Sebastian stirred, answering, How are you? I'm... I'm fine. Fauna was genuinely too confused and concerned about her friends to consider her own feelings. What's going on? Alice and Vivin looked at each other, and Seb said, Maybe you should say whatever you were going to say, first. Fauna felt uncomfortable, so she folded her arms across her chest and stepped forward tentatively. I just wanted to check that everything is ready for my parents' arrival tomorrow. Seb groaned in dismay and put his head on the desk in defeat. It had been an incredibly long couple of days. The assassination attempt, Zan's death, and now the reminder of Fauna's parents coming tomorrow. Vivin and Alice left the room, and Fauna approached Seb. She ran a hand through his soft brown hair, and asked again what was wrong. Sebastian sighed heavily and mumbled with his forehead still on the desk. Zan and his dragon died. Oh, Seb... Fauna kissed her fiancé's head repeatedly and wrapped her arms around him as best she could. When Seb lifted his head, he saw how worried Fauna looked. She was nearly on the verge of tears. Are you okay, baby? 
she sat on his lap and held his face in her hands. The young man didn't realize how upset he was until Fauna reacted the way she did. Seb shook his head and rested his head on her chest, hugging her tight. Another of his closest friends, gone. When he realized he would never hear the twins' terrible jokes again, or hear their laughter around a fire, or fight beside them, he was crushed. Seb was nearly silent the entire jog with Vivin the following morning. Charles and Rosalind would be arriving at some point that day, though Seb had no doubt it would be first thing in the morning. He ensured they had one of the finer suites in the palace. No doubt Charles would find flaws in it. He had already decided to speak as little as possible around him. He would hold his tongue. It was only a week. As they stepped out of the tree line, Vivin mentioned, This time next week, you'll be getting dressed for your wedding. Seb lumbered on towards the palace walls. No, I won't. Vivin met him with an alarmed look, and Seb smirked. I'll be doing this with you. I'm not getting married until the afternoon. Vivin rolled his eyes. That wasn't the point. In fact, maybe you should sleep in that morning. Seb chuckled. He never slept in. You're going to be smiling and shaking hands for hours that day. Believe me, you're going to need the extra rest. They were informed as soon as they reached the rear gates to the palace garden that Fauna's parents had arrived. Seb shook his head with a grin. They strode through the palace, and he muttered under his breath as they entered the great hall. This is going to be a long week. Fauna was already with her parents, still embracing them. The binds had only just arrived. Oh, there you are! Charles' loud voice called to Seb as he crossed the room. Here I am. Seb gave them a nod, but Charles shook his hand firmly as well. Rosalind, always quiet and reserved, was satisfied with Seb's nod. Couldn't you have dressed up to meet us? Charles said with a faint smile. To some, it may have looked like teasing. Seb knew it wasn't. Seb is very fit, Dad. He jogs every morning. Fauna kept a smile on her face, though it took some effort. Charles ignored her comment and informed them. I had a servant take a package to the nearest courtyard. A gift. Seb wasn't surprised Charles was already utilizing the staff as if they were his own. Nocte's voice popped into his head. Fauna's parents? How did you guess? You don't get irritated like this unless you're around them. Charles' voice interrupted the communication. Well, let's go take a look. Then Rosalind and I will take a rest. We traveled through the night to be here, you know. We thought it would be a nice surprise for you. Oh, it doesn't surprise me, Seb thought. He and Fauna led the way to the nearest courtyard. A wooden box with holes cut into the sides was waiting for them. Charles had Fauna go and open it. Seb glanced at Alice and Vivin and saw his mother enter the courtyard next to them. She spoke with them quietly. Puppies! Fauna exclaimed, and Seb felt a bolt of shock hit him. He strode over. No, it couldn't be. The last thing they needed right now was... Fauna lifted a little gray squirming puppy from the wooden box. One for each of you, Charles said proudly, sitting on a bench. Seb gazed into the box in bewilderment. Of all the gifts to receive, it had to be puppies. Seb, aren't you going to pick it up? Fauna beamed, letting the puppy she was holding lick her cheek. Sebastian stooped down and picked up the pup by its scruff. It protested with small squeaks until he set it in the crook of his arm. You've always wanted one. Why have one when you can have two? Charles explained. I've done business with the breeder. I bought them for half the price. The finest hunting dogs in the country don't come cheaply, you know. Fauna gave her father a kiss on the cheek, smitten with her puppy. Seb stood still, 
letting the pup squirm. Fauna saw his far-off gaze and walked over to him, trying to catch his eye. What are you going to name him? She asked carefully. Seb shrugged. The pup in his arms was charcoal gray, with a darker shade around his paws. The one in Fauna's arms had darker gray around his muzzle and tip of his tail. You can name them. Fauna frowned at him. She rubbed her puppy's floppy, velvety ears. I think I'm going to name mine Bramble. I've always wanted a wolfhound named Bramble. Seb stifled a sigh. Fauna was really happy, even if he was unenthused. He placed his pup on the ground, and it scampered off. I'll think about it. Fauna set her puppy down as well, and went back over to her parents, and Seb went to his mother. She was still standing by Allison Viven. Maria was trying to hide a smile, and it made Seb laugh. What? Maria shook her head, her wavy brown hair framing her face. He always outdoes himself. That he does, Seb grumbled, stuffing his hands into his pockets. Maria took note of Seb's expression. He was watching Fauna as the puppies bound around her, nipping at each other. He didn't look unhappy or overwhelmed. He had never had a dog before. It was something she always hoped she could give him, a playful companion to keep him company. Once her husband died, she couldn't afford to keep a dog, even if they were given one for free. What are you thinking, Sebby? Maria asked, brushing his cheek gently. That I have no clue how to train a dog, or two. He gave her a smile. I also have a lot to attend to this week, and a honeymoon after that. He rubbed the back of his neck and shrugged. Charles was summoning a servant. I've got some work to do. He started to leave, and Vivin followed. Maria called after him. Breakfast, Sebby. The April air was pleasantly warm that afternoon, so everyone enjoyed the back garden. It was beginning to flourish. Buds were on every plant and bush, and the grass was greening up. Felicita knew Seb was having a rough couple of days, so she let him hold Zayraid before anyone else. The infant sat on Seb's knee with his head leaning back on Seb's stomach, making random babbling sounds. Sebastian adored Zayraid. He pulled the infant's knitted hat further down over his ears. Maria was ecstatic when the princess asked her to help knit clothes for the little prince. The puppies ripped around the garden, chasing after Fauna and her parents. They were being given a tour by their daughter of her garden. The conversation was light and happy. The princess had a way with words. She could lull most people out of their gloom and explained complicated concepts with ease. She and Kael sat on a wooden bench opposite Seb and Maria. Matthias was having a conversation with Alice and Vivin about their weapons. He was a keen smith, always striving to forge higher quality weapons. Seb was whistling a lively tune for Zayraid, who had just started laughing the previous week. His sweet giggles were infectious. Suddenly, something landed on Seb's shoulder, making him jump. It startled Zayraid, who began to fuss. It was a pygmy dragon that was on his shoulder. The puppies dashed over, putting their paws on Seb's shins and sniffing at the dragon with great curiosity. The pygmy dragon growled at them in annoyance. Felicita and Kyle sat still, worried that if they made a move, the pygmy dragon might harm Zayraid. Seb shooed off the puppies and kept his arm around the prince securely. He offered his hand to the dragon on his shoulder. It nudged his hand affectionately. The same ruby-red pygmy dragon had been following him around for a couple of weeks. He could have sworn he saw it running around in the streets of Imperior on the day of the dragon as well. Seb stood, very much aware of Felicita's anxiety. He was about to walk over to her and hand off the baby when someone else approached. You appear to have your hands full. Sebastian turned in surprise. It was Lord Oril. He had arrived a day early. His daughter hurried over and embraced him, and Seb passed off Sered to the elvish king. Did you have a good flight? How's Keru? The great tamer asked politely. 
Lord Oral gazed at the infant in his arms fondly. He had grown so much in just a few months. His cheeks were chubby and rosy red, and his eyes were still deep baby blue. They were alert now, searching his grandfather's face. His little hands were in deerskin mitts, though it was warm enough that he didn't need them. Dad, Felicita prodded gently. The elf stirred. The flight went well. Keru is looking forward to speaking with you. Sebastian smiled and scratched the pygmy dragon's chin. He noticed Grimmin and started to walk over to the elvish guard when he saw his companion. Ren! It's good to see you! Are you Kyle's replacement? The slender elf blushed slightly. I am Lord Earl's new personal guard, yes. Grimmin and Ren were pleased. Thanks to Felicita and Kyle, the Romofsian Seb had learned wasn't forgotten. In fact, it had gotten a bit better. Ren, you haven't met my fiancé yet, have you? When Seb introduced them, Fauna fit the image Ren had in mind for her. She was just as Seb described, though standing next to the Great Tamer, she seemed shorter than her true height. She was fitting for a queen and looks alone. She was polite. She thanked Ren for taking care of Seb while he was in Romofsi. When Fauna pulled away from the conversation by her parents, Seb watched her with a gentle expression. Your description does not do her justice. Ren spoke in his native tongue. Sebastian smiled at his friend and stroked the pygmy dragon on his shoulder. At dinner, Charles took hold of the conversation with everyone within earshot. Sebastian was silent. Matthias was to his right and Fauna on his left. Charles was speaking about his trade, jewelry. Felicita, ever the polite ambassador of all discussions, was humoring him. Charles had a tendency to speak at a volume and with an authority that didn't allow much other conversation. Matthias leaned over to Seb and started speaking with him quietly. Whatever he was saying, it was bringing the young man around. Vivin glanced around the room. Guards were at their posts, as were servants. He gazed across the table. Seb was stifling a laugh at something Matthias said. Seb's friends would be arriving tomorrow for the wedding. He seemed to do much better around his family and friends. He was still quiet, but they brought out a better side of him. Seb, despite his best efforts, laughed out loud at what Matthias was saying. Charles gave him a look of displeasure. Do you find amusement in the tariffs on Austerian topaz? All eyes were on Seb. He replied with a straight face as he started excusing himself from the table. Yeah, it's hilarious, Charles. He placed his serviette next to his plate and headed off. Vivin whispered a farewell to Alice, picking up his sword from where it was leaning against the wall and followed the young man. Sebastian worked in his study knowing he was being rude for stepping out before dessert was served. Tomorrow, his friends would be at the table to distract him from Fauna's father. He signed off on a document as a knock rapped on the door. The future regent was slightly concerned over who it could be. He invited the person in. Lord Oril stepped into the room, and Seb stood respectfully. The elvish king raised his hand, and Seb sat down. How are you, Master Alor? The slender elf sat himself across the bureau in a plush, red velvet chair. I'm well. Thank you for asking. How are you? Seb smiled softly. The king inclined his head. I am well, now that I have seen my family. Zayrade has grown so much, hasn't he? Sebastian beamed. That he has. Are you feeling prepared for your upcoming engagements, Master Aulor? Oh, I'm about as ready as I'll ever be. Seb gave him his sweet smile, and the elf wondered if the smile was genuine. Felicita mentioned to me earlier the incident that occurred the other night. Seb's gaze flickered to the mahogany bureau. He remained silent. I am sorry it happened. I heard Miss Bine did not take it overly well. Seb spoke after a moment. It might have been the first time, but I'm sure it won't be the last. 
I hope you do not let it discourage you. Discourage me? Seb blinked. I'm used to people not agreeing with me. I'm not even surprised it happened, really. The Elvish King attempted to determine how bothered the human was. Sebastian was difficult to discern, as usual. Feldi mentioned the culprit was found and imprisoned. Seb nodded, looking away from the elf. His execution is later this evening. I'm signing some documents regarding it. He lifted the corner of a page in front of him. Nocte asked to do the honors. Seb glanced at the king. Are executions something kings invite each other to? I don't know the etiquette. Lord O'Rell's ear twitched. Some do, but I am content to stay here with my grandson. Thank you. I don't blame you, Seb murmured quietly. Is everything else going well? The Elvish King pressed as casually as he could. I think so. I was serious when I said you looked like you had your hands full earlier. Seb smiled. Puppies, babies, pygmy dragons, weddings? He shrugged. It's a bit chaotic, but it's temporary. Sebastian refused to relinquish the fact that he had a lot on his plate. His list barely touched everything that was going on in his life at the moment. If you need any assistance, you may ask. Seb nodded. Thank you. The king stood and recalled, Ah yes, your pygmy dragon alarmed Felicita today. Perhaps it would be best to keep them away from infants. Seb sighed. They like me, I can't help that. But that red one is quite tame. He's visited me before. Lord O'Rell continued gazing at Seb until the young man agreed. Maybe not entirely tame. I'll be more careful around Zayraid. Thank you. After all, he could be my only grandchild. Nocte ignited a pile of stacked wood. The council, their dragons, and Sebastian stood on the outskirts of Imperior. It was time for the man accused of treason to meet his end. Alice, Vivin, and Arthur served as guards for the Great Tamer. No one else was present. The man preferred his family didn't see. The dragons stood or crouched behind their tamers. Nocte sat with his tail over his forepaws, watching the treasonous man with intense, unwavering emerald eyes. Everyone was present and the pyre had been lit. Seb stepped forward. The former council member's dragon stood off to the side. Seb had to force himself not to connect with that dragon, not to feel what it was feeling. Seb rested his hand on Dracocor's hilt. Do you have any last words? The man gazed at the future regent steadily. I think my actions have spoken well enough. Sebastian held his gaze for a moment, but gave no reply. He turned to his black opal dragon. Go on, then. Nocte's long, scaled tail swished as he rose to his massive paws. He bared his pearly white, razor-sharp teeth. Seb backed away. He had a bad feeling about letting Nocte handle the execution. The black opal dragon glistened in the firelight as he took a step towards the man. Nocte growled deeply, and Seb felt his heart twinge. This wasn't like in battle. It wasn't the heat of the moment. Everyone present had had time to think about what was taking place. Nocte may have even planned what he was going to do. The dragon took another menacing step toward the treasonous man and snarled wickedly lashing his tail. One more step, and Nocte would attack. As Nocte lifted his paw to take the step, the man looked over at Seb and said quietly, You didn't have the courage to do it yourself? Nocte's jaws snapped around his body, encasing him. The crunch of his spine snapping was sickening, and his dragon reared, unfurling its wings. Nocte released the man 
and tore his head from his body in one horrific movement. Blood spurted from the gaping hole on the corpse's shoulders, and the body collapsed, limp. Nocte let the head drop to the grass and crushed it underneath a powerful paw. The former tamer's dragon struggled to stay out of his primal state. He tossed his head and roared in devastation. His broad chest rose and fell rapidly, and his eyes alternated between dilated pupils and slits. Nocte lifted his paw from the bloody pulp on the ground and turned to the council and their dragons. Nocte took a step toward them, unfurling his wings slightly to display his threatening size. His emerald eyes shimmered with fiery passion. If anyone so much as looks at my tamer wrong, I will be their end. Do not test me. Nocte growled menacingly. He settled his wings and padded over to Seb, who watched him without expression. Several council members went to move the corpse to the flaming pyre, but his dragon snapped at him viciously. The dragon picked up his tamer's corpse gently, ensuring his jaws wouldn't crush the body further. The dragon laid his tamer on the burning pyre and sat watching over him until the embers died out. Art, Vivin, and Alice walked over to Seb, who was stroking Nocte's scaled chest and speaking with him quietly. Nocte had proved his point. The execution was unsettling, to say the least. The three tamers knew the Black Opal Dragon better than most. He was playful and affectionate, like Seb had raised him. But when it was called for, Nocte was absolutely ruthless. The great tamer's dragon nuzzled his head into Sebastian's chest. Seb glanced at the tamers approaching him and looked away with an unsettled expression. Sebastian's friends tackled him when they entered the palace. Seb met them in the Great Hall. Fauna's bridesmaids had also arrived at the same time. The future king and queen had paid for several carriages to travel from Deep Creek, bringing their bridal party and their partners if they had one. Only Crise had brought a date with him. Seb's other friends fully expected to meet women in Imperior and at the wedding. After Seb's friends tackled him, they gave their polite hugs and kisses to Fauna and Maria, who were greeting Fauna's friends. Crise pulled Seb aside. I want you to meet my girl. We've been going steady for half a year now. Everyone back home loves her. I can't wait to meet her, Seb smiled. Crise disappeared around the crowd of new arrivals and led a young lady over to Sebastian. Seb stared at her in shock. Seb, this is Shiloh. Isn't she beautiful? It was Shiloh from the days back in the Praestrio Valley, without a doubt. Her curly, golden blonde hair bounced around her shoulders, and her green eyes watched Seb steadily. The young man quickly regained himself. What a coincidence! Seb shoved his hands into his pockets. The expectation may have been to shake her hand or kiss her cheek, but he was too thrown off. Alice and Vivian came over, having noticed the young woman. Crise was amazed that Shiloh had not only met them, but had stayed in their camp. We were hoping to see you and your sister when we toured Rhydon, Seb mentioned. Shiloh tucked a strand of golden hair behind her ear. Unfortunately, we were visiting relatives far to the south, where you weren't touring. Seb wasn't certain if that was the whole truth, but he had no choice but to accept it. Elon and Tristan heckled him for a tour, so the future regent led his groomsmen and some of his other male guests around the Marble Palace while Fauna led the ladies. The tours were vastly different. Seb's was general and Fauna's was detailed. For the most part, the boys just wanted to know where their chambers were so they could settle in before exploring the royal city. The dinner that night was nearly as lively as the ones before the Battle of the Cerulus Plains when groups of tamers had dined in the palace. Seb's friends were excited and loud. Fauna and Sebastian were conscientious enough to dine far enough down the lengthy table so that the elves at the opposite end wouldn't be too bothered. A plus, Seb thought, is that we aren't dining with Charles tonight. 
he and Rosalind had gone down to the city for the evening and wouldn't be expected back until the next day, much to Sebastian's relief. The following day was busy. Final fittings for everyone in the bridal party, led by Maria and the royal tailor. Afterward, Seb took his friends to a tamer ball match, showing off his skills and his dragon. The afternoon kept the regent couple occupied. Guests were arriving by the hour. Kyrick and his family arrived, and the king and queen of Ordinos, and the royal family of Vigos as well. Seb and Fauna didn't have a chance to leave the great hall as they greeted the arrivals, let alone sit down. They had just finished saying hello to the Kayan leader of the Niada when several members of the Oren entered the palace. The new members had been left in the Praestrio Valley, but Garday, Sommer, and Orani wouldn't have missed the wedding for the world. Sommer had promised herself that when she saw her former teammates, she would smile and give Seb and Fauna the congratulations they deserved. Vivin and Alice were chatting with Garday and Orani. Sommer glanced at Sebastian. He stepped forward with a sympathetic gaze in his honey-brown eyes and placed a hand on her shoulder. Before she knew it, tears were streaming down her face and she was pulled into Seb's broad chest. It was humiliating, falling apart in front of a room of people. Guards, servants, tamers, wedding guests, dignitaries. It made the despair she felt even worse. However, Seb didn't let go of her. He held her tight, shielding her from inconsiderate stares. I really loved him. Sommer choked quietly into his chest. I did too, Seb murmured above her ear. During his time with the Oren, Seb had grown dearly attached to the twins. From sharing their cabin to partaking in pranks, they felt like brothers to the Great Tamer. He knew the pain Sommer felt was different from his, but it still felt like a raw wound inside his chest every time he thought about Zan and Griff. Seb had a brief moment in the afternoon to retreat to his study. Even with everything going on, he still had work to attend to before leaving for the honeymoon. Vivin stood diligently outside. Usually, he would take this time as a break, but Seb said he wouldn't be too long. And, in truth, he had been reluctant to leave him after the assassination attempt. Something caught the corner of Vivin's eye, and he instantly grabbed the hilt of his longsword. It was Charles Bine, storming down the hallway in a mood the greats would fear. He ignored Vivin completely, who stood next to the study door, and barged into the room, slamming the door behind him. For twenty solid minutes, Charles reamed into Seb at the top of his voice. The father had heard about the assassination attempt while touring Imperior. Fauna hadn't told him. Seb hadn't told him. He heard someone gossiping in the streets, and that was how he found out his daughter had nearly been murdered. Sebastian was quiet the entire time. He didn't speak a single word. He didn't point out the fact that the assassin had been tasked with killing him alone. He didn't mention that Alice and Vivin would never have let the assassin reach them. They would have sacrificed themselves first. He sat and took Charles' outbursts, and once the enraged jeweler had stormed out of the room, he calmly resumed his work. Vivin knocked gently on the door and stepped inside. Seb's quill scratched across parchment. He didn't look up. He put the quill back into its choir and began reading another dossier. Vivin approached the bureau slowly. Seb? Hmm? The young man still didn't look up. Are you alright? Of course. Vivin exhaled deeply. You shouldn't let him speak to you like that. Seb remained silent, glancing at another document. Seb, a week, Seb murmured. That's how long I'm expected to put up with him. Two and a half days have passed so far. Vivin didn't know what to say, so Seb added, Him yelling at me is nothing new. I just have to endure it for a few more days. 
he regarded Vivin steadily. Vivin shook his head. The next time he does something like that, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. Seb gave him a wry grin. Let him have his temper tantrums. I don't care. He's already called me every name in the book. Vivin wanted to protest, but Seb gave him a smile and shooed him out. I have to prep for the council meeting tomorrow. Go on. Sebastian had his chance to unwind later. His friends had gone down to Imperior to pub crawl, and Felicita and Kyle went out for a quiet walk alone. Lord Oro was left to tend to his grandson in the private common room for the royalty of the palace. Seb walked in as Zayraid was fussing. Maria had taken her turn at trying to soothe the infant, but to no avail. Someone's grumpy, Seb said, and offered to hold the infant. The little prince's bottom lip pouted, and his cheeks were flushed. The trick with Zay is he won't fall asleep in a bad mood, so you just have to bring him out of it. Seb held the infant to his shoulder and picked up the stuffed rabbit from the settee. Between silly whistling and playing with the stuffy, Seb had the infant smiling in under five minutes. He gently bounced and rocked the little prince until he fell asleep, snug against Seb's neck. You can tame dragons and children. A multiple-purpose great tamer, Lord Oral teased. Seb sat down on the couch, stroking the prince's soft, flushed cheek gently. Dragons are far easier from what I've experienced. The king nodded. Keru was easier than Philly, for certain. The princess herself walked into the room at that moment and overheard her father. Must you tell everyone that I was a pain to raise? She caressed her son's head, admiring his jet black hair and slightly pointed ears. Maria chimed in from where she sat embroidering. As far as I can tell, raising dragons and children are alike. They're both a wonderful adventure. I think you're right about that, Mom, Seb replied as he passed off the infant to Felicita. Thanks for listening to Chapter 37, Part 1 of A Dragon Tamer's Fable. And thank you for supporting the podcast so far. I hope you're enjoying it. If you are, please share, subscribe, and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're able to give a DTF an extra hand, please check out the merch and support tabs on the website. To stay up to date on content, check out a DTF podcast on Instagram or Facebook. As always, feel free to email dragontamerpodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts, so don't be shy. Until next time, keep slaying anything but dragons. <laughs>